Okay, today, uh, before I get into the Word, I think it's always good to know who, who's talking and how they became a Christian. And today I'd like to give a short testimony of how I follow Christ as my Savior. And I have it written down, so because it is kind of nervous being up here in front of you all. So, <laughs> so I'm going to start reading it. It says, My mother grew up in a Lutheran church, so as a boy I would go to church with my grandparents. I thought that if I would go to church on Sunday, all my sins would be forgiven for that week, so I could do whatever I wanted to do through that week. When I was in grade school, I would go to the youth group with the Atwater Baptist, which is now Life Point, and that's where I went through high school. I went to Atwater Baptist with the youth group, but we would go to roller, roller skating rink out in Deerfield, and after the skating was done, they'd set us all down for a devotional, and we'd bow our heads, and they would always ask if anybody wanted to trust Christ as a Savior. And I've been going quite a few times, and one of the times I raised my hand, and accept, I thought I accepted Christ as my Savior. And that's a, that's a good point there, because, again, I thought if I would do that, then all my sins would be forgiven, and I'd be all right. But I raised my hand, and someone led me in the believer's prayer, but it ended there, and I thought that was all I needed. In 1977, I started dating Cindy, my wife. She, uh, she asked me if I'd go to church with her. And I said yes, because I remember I raised my hand, and I thought I was a Christian, and that's all I needed. But in uh, the following April, April 8, 1978, we were married, and, and we attended church regularly, but I never grew or uh, really knew how to grow. And August 18th, 1978, I still, still hurts me. My, my youngest brother was killed. And, and I realized that night that uh, life was fragile. Don't ever put off accepting Christ as your Savior. I mean, truly accepting Christ as your Savior. And that night I did. Uh, it was about two weeks later that the uh, pastor at the church we was attending gave an altar call, and I went up and uh, followed in the believer's baptism because I already accepted Christ, and uh, I followed in believer's baptism. And that kind of didn't set well with my mom because I remember if I told you I was raised in Lutheran, and we were sprinkled when we was kids. And she, I think today she she understands why I had to go forward to get not rebaptized, but be baptized for the first time because it's an outward expression of an inward change that we all need to make. And I know Matt and Jamie are going to came up last week, and they're going to be doing the same thing. They're going to give an outward expression of an inward change, and it doesn't help us on our salvation. It's just a it's just proclaiming that we are Christians. And, and we need to do that as Christians. Uh, since then, the Lord has blessed us with three children, three grandsons, and a daughter-in-law and a son-in-law. Uh, when we were first married, the, the doctors suggested that we didn't even have any kids because of what Cindy's disability. But God is in control. We must have faith to follow him in the good times and the bad times, the highs and lows. And most of all, pray, pray, pray. And, and, and that leads me into what I want to talk about today 
is a, a question. Does praying scripture have a greater effectiveness than other prayers? That's the question I want to ask. But uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer before we get started in his word. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you. We come before you with our prayers and petitions. You tell us to. Open our eyes and our heart to your word this morning, Lord. Speak through me. And if anyone here needs you to know you as your Savior, please don't let them put it off. Please let them come. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. So the answer to that is, uh, some people have found that using the Bible verses in their prayers is an effective way to pray. Praying scripture back to God seems to help us focus the mind and to assure that the subject matter of the prayer is pleasing to God. James, 15, James 5, 16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we will know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. I don't want to look at two words in this, and those words are effectual and fervent. The word effectual means sufficient to produce a desired result. Fervent means constant, strenuous, and intense. James and John are both telling us that our prayers are to be effective. They must be fervent, meaningful, and most of all, in agreement with God's will. One way to know that our prayers are the will of God is to pray scripture. There are specific scriptures that express what is in our hearts. But, there's always a but, scripture should not be used as some kind of magic chant, repeating mindlessly as words, as though the words themselves have power. The power of prayer comes from God alone to a heart that is fervent. But the words themselves had power. The power of prayer comes to God alone to a heart that is fervent. But when we find a command or promise that expresses what is in our hearts, we know we are in agreement or we know we are agreeing with God when we use it as prayer. It is after all his word. The more we memorize and that's a good key right there, the more we memorize and the more we meditate on his scripture, the more it becomes part of us. The truth we have studied comes to mind, and when we pray, and we are praying, it is often the answer we answer we are seeking. Often, when we do not know what to pray, Scripture can give us the words. Psalms contains hundreds of prayers, and many of them already are put our thoughts into words. And I just want to give you three examples. Uh, Psalms 80, 86.6 says, Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. And attend to the voice of my supplication. In other words, hear my prayer and listen to my request. That's all he's asking. Psalm 105.1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Thank him and praise him for what he does and has done in our life. 
And this is, this is one, of my, one of my favorite verses. Psalm 119, verse 11. You can't go wrong with this one. It says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. We must be in His Word to know His Word, in other words. Jesus gives us our, gives us our best example of effectual prayer. His longest recorded prayer is His high priestly prayer found in John 17. And if you'd like to turn to John 17, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. If you look closely, look at the passage closely, you'll see that it's broken down into three topics. Jesus prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, and he prays for all believers. I'm going to start in verse 1 to verse 5. It says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son. Your Son also may glorify you, as you have given him another authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. The first thing we notice here is the, the oneness of Jesus. Oneness of spirit with Jesus and his Father. He begins by saying, Father, the hour has come. Jesus was not telling the Father anything he didn't already know. Rather, Jesus was acknowledging that they were in agreement. He spent so much time in fervent prayer that he knew the heart of the Father. That is the goal of effectual prayer, to understand the heart of God and align our effectual prayers with it. And it comes from the heart and seeks the will of God. Praying Scripture is an act of personal dedication. Praying Scripture is an act of personal dedication is a good way to know we are praying effectually. For example, we can take Galatians 2.20 and use it as a consecration. Prayer of consecration. Um, Galatians 2.20 goes like this. I have been crucified with Christ. It, no longer, it is no longer I who believe, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live by, in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So such a prayer, if you turn that into a prayer, such a prayer might sound something like this. Father, today I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live today, I live, I, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In praying this way, we take the heart of God and make it our goal. There is nothing magic in the words, but we can know we are praying with the will of God when we use his word as our model. We must be careful not to treat Scripture as though every passage was written specifically for us, for our situation. We cannot take verses out of context simply because we want them to be true for us. We cannot search for isolated verses that say what we want them to say and then claim them. 
There are times, however, when God impresses a certain verse on our hearts as his personal message to us, and we can and should pray about it. If we tried to apply every verse as though it directly affects our own lives, we would have problems with verses like 1 Samuel 15.3. And it says, Go attack the Achaemenites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. (laughs) We must always read Scripture within its context and learn more about God from the principles we find. God may use that passage to speak to us about destroying the worldliness in our lives and leaving no remnant of it. In that instance, we could pray, Lord, just as you told the Israelites to totally destroy everything that represents the evil of the Amicalites, I want to tear down any false gods in my life and leave nothing but you. Purify my heart as they purified the land. And we're going to get out pretty early today. Because this is the clothing. And I see a lot of smiles. I don't think I'm making anybody mad there. In closing, effectual fervent prayer can come from the... Effectual fervent prayer can come from Scripture or from the depths of our heart. The goal as we grow is that the two become intertwined. Even on the cross, in the midst of horrible suffering, Jesus cried out words of Psalm, from Psalms 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Many scholars believe he was quoting the entire passage as he hung on the cross, praying it back to God as an act of worship, even in death. The more scripture we learn and personalize, the more our prayers will reflect the will of God, and the more effective they will become. Psalm 119, verse 11, this is, this is a very good verse. To, it's easy to remember. It says, I've hidden thy word in my heart, so I might not sin against thee. <laughs>